This is your Startup Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Brad Feld. Hi, I'm Ian Hathaway. I'm Chris Hively and your host. Your Startup Community Podcast is for any startup community enthusiast hoping to grow your local ecosystem. This podcast has something for every ecosystem actor, whether you're an economic development leader, serial entrepreneur, a co-working coordinator, an angel investor, a corporate executive, or a university researcher. Basically, everyone who cares about your community and the startups within. If we do our job right, there should be something tangible for you to take away and apply to your journey as soon as tomorrow. We're going to explore the topic of control, specifically the illusion of control with regards to a leadership mindset. All of us as successful business people or government operators exert elements of our experiences, our position, and dare I say power to get things done. It is what has made us successful. But this mindset, when applied to a startup community building, many times stifles community progress. So why should you consider a different approach to your leadership? Today, we're going to dive in deeper about that leadership mindset and the default idea that one can focus on generating desired outcomes by engineering and controlling community activities. As always, Ian Hathaway and I will set up the topic And then we'll be followed by two guests who will talk about the illusion of control. We'll finish up with Brad, who will weigh in on what he has heard from us all, fix things we broke, augment things he heard, and generally provide us some more context of how you and your peers can accelerate your startup community. Let's get started. Hey, Ian, we were talking about this illusion control, and we know that control was talked about by Brad in Startup Communities, where he just said, don't control. Uh, but in Startup Community Way, you added the word illusion of control. Explain to me kind of your thought evolution here. A controlled approach to systems uh, works when we understand very clearly what the inputs are. We have strong understanding and alignment around what kind of outcomes we're trying to achieve. And we have a deep understanding of the relationships of these factors, cause and effect, so that we can actually prescript our way to achieving those uh, clearly defined and aligned outcomes. Startup communities are nothing like this, of course. Uh, we really don't understand what the inputs are fully. We have an idea of what some of the processes might be, but there's just too much happening, right? There's too many inputs, too many interconnections to fully understand, control, and predict what these systems are. And so what we say is give up the illusion that you actually are in control because you're not. Ian, I've heard you reference in the past an analogy that startup communities are more like a family than a recipe. Could you elaborate on that for us? A recipe is actually a deterministic system, uh, meaning that we, we understand what the ingredients are, the inputs. We understand how they all come together, and then ultimately what it produces, right? So once you have sort of mastered a recipe, you can replicate it to perfection. Families, I think, are a better example of a startup community because it involves people, right? People with, um, you know, different worldviews, different responses to certain scenarios, and free will. I like the example of saying that a startup community is more like raising a child. I guess the complexity approach to parenting would say, 
you know, have some guidelines, establish what the values are in your home uh, within those confines, then try to guide uh, the children or the startup community actors in a way that gets you aligned towards those outcomes. This is also one of the reasons why we emphasize leadership so much, uh, because the leaders are influential. Um, if you want to go to the family example, that would be the parents, right? That if the children uh, rarely listen to what you what you say, they emulate what you do. And the same thing applies to leadership in a startup community. Yeah, I observe that leaders either proactively or reactively kind of set the rules of engagement for the community. Um, you call these, refer to these as guidelines. So how does this complicated command and control mindset, uh, this control mindset, accidentally stifle innovation in a community? Good question. Uh, first of all, it assumes that we have all the answers, right? If you're um, doing this planning and execution with rigid control, right, you're assuming that you have all the answers and you know what the outcome should be. Um, that's why we tend to focus more on the processes that, you know, surface what the problems are and surface what some of the solutions uh, might be. You know, that's why entrepreneurs talk frequently about experimentation, learning, and adaptation. And I think that's the key point here is that, first of all, we want to identify who our customer is. The customer is the entrepreneur, right? And we want to engage with them. And we want to, um, in a deep way, so that we understand what their challenges are, and then try to formulate some solutions to, to helping them solve those challenges. We want to have a flexible approach because we want to understand what the feedbacks are, right? So as we're trying things in a startup community, we're gathering information along the way at what might be working and what might not be, right? What is the community responding positively to? What are they responding negatively or not at all to? And we want to gather that information and then adapt our strategy. So if you come in with this belief that we already know the answers and we're just going to drive forward towards an outcome, you're choking off all that valuable input um, that actually allows us to service our customer better. And again, that customer being the entrepreneur. Ian, does relinquishing the idea of control mean that it's just a chaotic environment and everyone is just kind of bouncing all over the place, doing whatever they want? Or can you still have kind of a plan or plans and a North Star as a community leader, yet still kind of relinquish this illusion of control? I think that, you know, planning is actually a really important thing. It helps you think through what actually you want to achieve, you know, who you need to have involved. You know, there's a quote here. I forget who said it. I think it was a German military leader or something. But basically, the, the comment was no battle plan survives a con first contact with the enemy, right? So I think planning is important, but equally and, and certainly much more important is that we're not attached to what those plans are. In this work, uh, because as we talked about before, it's, you know, it's, un it's uncertain, you know, what is ultimately going to be the thing that will work or drive community progress forward. So we have to go into things with an open mind, right? We want to guide and influence we don't want to dictate and control because, you know, that dictating and control might be taking us in the wrong direction, right? It might be forcing people to disengage. Ian, I've shared the story with you frequently about my personal journey of a, being a community leader over the past 12 years in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And the story that I wanted to share today with our audience is that when I first started wanting to put an accelerator into play circa 2009, 
in my new home here, the elders decided that they were going to get together in a closed doors meeting, invite only with all the known investors and movers and shakers in the local scene, and collectively decide my fate whether they were going to support me or not. Okay, so obviously that's a top-down approach, very command and control, and even what Brad refers to as the patriarchal structure. Why does this happen in certain cities, and why do people want to take this command and control top-down approach? Why did my local leaders do it? There's a very long answer to that. I think it's a human impulse to want to control things, right? To feel like we are the masters of our destiny. For a long time, we organized our business organizations, government uh, agencies around this command and control hierarchical approach. And I think a lot of that legacy continues on to this day. But I think there's another problem with all of it is that then you no longer have buy-in, right? So when these top-down, you know, approaches are have the go through the big reveal. Here's what we're going to do. If you don't have buy-in from the community, it's ultimately going to fail, even if it's a good idea because they're not bought into the process. They don't feel ownership over it. You know, I think the clearest way to just solve all of these challenges we talked about today is to engage with the entrepreneurs, even if the entrepreneurs are, are too busy building their businesses to want to lead in an active way in the startup community. Um, having your finger on their on the pulse of what their challenges are on a regular basis and creating opportunities for them to come together and, and work collaboratively on um, common challenges, that's what this work is about. Talk to my good friend and collaborator, Ian Hathaway, co-author of The Startup Community Way, and a longtime researcher and writer about entrepreneurship, about the illusion of control. Now let's bring in a couple guests who are startup community leaders who have experiences in building their startup community and get their take on why and how to support a complex mindset versus a control mindset as a community leader. Bob, thanks for joining me, Ian and Brad, to talk about startup communities and entrepreneurial ecosystems. Today we're gonna talk about something that I actually run into all the time and, and it's what Brad and Ian have labeled the illusion of control. One of the artifacts of a more controlled, top-down, organized, uh, super-organized, hierarchical um, approach to things is this idea that you can control an outcome. So when you think about what you do inside the university, inside Cleveland, um, how do you kind of think about this kind of control part and this engineering problem-solving approach? And how does that dovetail with your thinking about how great ecosystems are, are formed? You know, people feel I think a little bit more comfortable in it because it's it's like well this is predictable this I'm used to and somebody else is making the decision instead of me owning it where a complex one is where people can step up um, and and be part of the solution I remember uh, you know listening to some of the material about you know just the, all the variables involved and the, the, the multitude of possible outcomes. Um, and it's always changing based on the dynamics of the marketplace and new knowledge coming in, right? You know, when you do something one month and then four months later, it, it's not that you were doing it wrong for four months ago. It's like you didn't have the advantage of those four months of learning. You learn something and you're adjusting, you know, maybe serving that marketplace in a different way or, or, or like, you know what, this isn't going to work out. So maybe I should shut this down or pivot in some way. Um, so, um, yeah, and, and you have to be that way or else, 
or you know you, you just can't rely on on the old structure to do things so you know basically what you're saying is that outcomes are not predictable correct <laughs> <laughs> which is i say that you know i i would say i say that without chuckling but then i chuckled i tell people if you lined up 100 first time entrepreneurs in your ecosystem there's no one in the world that predict who's going to actually win so if that's the case which means you cannot control an outcome you cannot predict nor decide to double down on the right ones cuz you have no idea who the right ones on. This whole control aspect um, can really get um, get to be setting barriers for entre- entrepreneurs, in my opinion. What kind of barriers have you seen? I mean, we're talking about control, and there's access to people and events and capital. But when if someone takes an over controlling view of that, what what are the what happens to the entrepreneurs when that happens? Well, if they've got enough resources, they'll just say, well, the hell with it and just walk away and, and just block them out. I don't have time for this. I'm going to move forward. Um, and I, and I worked with a wonderful guy, uh, it was called Overdrive. They had a, a $420 million exit to rank a tune. He just kept plowing forward. You know, a little bit could be a little bit of fun too, saying that, Hey, well, we can get this done without you. Yes. So that, that could, you know, add to the, the sweetness of the, the accomplishment. And I know, Two people who wanted to help two of our students that work for a very, very large organization. And they said that as individuals, we want to help you. And this was sad and scary at the same time that they said, I I love helping kids with this. This is why I got into this field, so on and so forth. And each of them individually, and they didn't know each other, said, but don't get too close to us because we will crush you swallow you up yeah and it was so sad when i heard it the first time and it just what a waste of resources and you're basically restricting these people from being able to do things and also wasting a lot of time money and effort that shouldn't be wasted i'm glad you mentioned that i call these generically power brokers and to give these power brokers the benefit of the doubt they have grown up inside Again, these very top-down, hierarchical, command and control, rigid handoffs, problem-solving, you know, uh, you know, trying to find predictable outcomes. And that's the muscles they've built over time. Um, what we're here to share with people is that those muscles don't work in an entrepreneurial ecosystem. They're, by default, entrepreneurs are disruptors, and you're telling them not to be disruptive. Um, who is the overdrive? Who are the founders? Oh, Steve Potash and Lori Potash. Yeah. So I, I remember having great conversations with oh, them. Oh, did you? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is that Steve and Lori decided to just, you know, push out the the people who don't understand the entrepreneurial journey and say, we're going right. to be successful despite you. Um, the other problem, by the way, the other risk that I've seen even more times is that, especially if they're younger people um, in their entrepreneurial journey, when they start to, you know, come across barriers to information, barriers to capital, barriers to access to people, not playing the game the hierarchical way, is that they just pick up and move. And yes. so in terms of Cleveland, you've had a healthy amount of out-migration and brain drain over the years. Um, would, you, would you say that's a lot of that has to do with taking a more traditional hierarchical approach? Yes, um, yes. Unfortunately, you're accurate in that. Over time, it has gotten better. Um, and the group of people here to support you have gotten better. And we've had some success stories, like an overdrive. 
Um, and like um, some of the other ones in Cleveland, uh, Explorus, which became uh, IBM Watson Health. Thanks for mentioning other entrepreneurs and stories. This is ultimately about entrepreneurs. That's the one thing I, when I have a chance to advise leaders is remember that you exist for the, to serve entrepreneurs. Without entrepreneurs, you have no entrepreneurial ecosystem. So sometimes that does get a little bass backwards, right? Where the organi yep. entrepreneur organization becomes bigger than the entrepreneurs themselves. And the idea of control comes up. How do you, how do you think, and how do you advise others to kind of try to manage that? You have to go with the flow. I mean, I don't know what else to say it, you know, some of the examples that, uh, you know, I've read about and learned from, you know, Brad's and Ian's writings, you know, you know, route, route 128. Is that the right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I can't remember that as much as I can remember the word Silicon Valley. Why is that? <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> completely <commander>. different cultures <laughs> exactly <laughs> where i re i remember when i was growing up i i was in intrigued by both of them and and i was like wow boston that's a little closer i could possibly move there and, and it's like then i didn't hear about it very much at all but then silicon valley and you kept hearing about it and kept hearing about it and kept hearing about it Today, we're going to talk about uh, the illusion of control in a startup community. So let's talk community. I'm really happy to be here and catch up with you, Chris. In prepping for this, I've kind of read a bunch of stuff about you and looked over your LinkedIn and obviously asked you a few questions. I would characterize as uh, you being a curious guy. So if you see something that either you don't think it looks right or it's not the process isn't working or there's an opportunity or a gap that you're kind of start scratching at it and, and be an ethical hacker after that. Is that fair? I think that's fair. There's, so, there's, there's a lot of opportunities for the world to improve. And I think there's still a lot of opportunities where um, we can leverage talent and technology to help more people um, in lots of different ways. Uh, today, I feel like we're talking about complex systems and uh, every, every day is different. You mentioned complex systems. And obviously in the startup community way that Brad and Ian released last year, we talk a lot about complicated and complex systems. What does a complex system mean to you sitting in Des Moines, Iowa and thinking the things that you're thinking today? I mean, complex to me means something that you can contribute to more with influence than with action, but your action is the influence. Um, something I think is called out in the book really interestingly is that you can't control these things. You, you can willingly participate and create positive impact and sometimes the difficult thing is even when you try to create positive impact, it doesn't always work. And so I think in a complex systems, you have to have the, the fortitude to come back and try something else, even when the last thing didn't work, which can be pretty humbling, especially when you do it in front of your friends. And, uh, you know, it's maybe like happened a couple of times in the past too, but you got to try the next thing to create positive change. As a longtime entrepreneur, you know, kind of failure is a big part of what we do, but fair, you know, we also have failures in the activities we do around startup communities because they're complex systems. How do you juxtapose inside your head this problem-solving person, right? This person who's curious, who sees um, process uh, inefficiencies and things and taking a kind of an engineering approach, yet understanding that in itself, communities are complex and cannot be engineered. How do you juxtapose and balance those things in your head as a community leader? My perception is that many uh, commercial problems are about calculus, not statistics. 
It's about finding the specific answer, not the probability of a particular outcome where communities are all about the probability of a particular outcome and how you maximize for connectivity. And the right way to maximize for connectivity is by being inclusive. You find somebody new, you bring them into the community. They have a problem, you give them support. They're working on a deal, you introduce them to investors. Their company's blowing up, you help them see if you can fix it. And I think that these types of behaviors are really trying to maximize for the probability of the community success, even if somebody on the background isn't really doing the math. Not all commercial or business problems are you know, based on this like probabilistic interaction. It's very direct, which I think makes communities kind of an interesting beast. You mentioned a, a few seconds ago about this favorite word control, which is part of uh, today's podcast. And when we talk about complex systems, we talk about the illusion of control. When you started kind of being more active Des Moines community, did you see kind of pieces of people trying to take a more controlled or what I would call a complicated approach to, to community building? Have you run across that in Des Moines at all? I haven't seen it a lot in Des Moines. I've seen it in other communities. And I think it's one of the reasons why the Des Moines community has continued to thrive over the last five or 10 years. And most of the people that were working on it 10 years ago were working inside of a, a co-working space and no one really had anything that was working Everybody really knew they wanted to meet more people. Coming to Des Moines was almost like a way not to be alone in a community that was somewhere else because you didn't know people that looked and sounded uh, like you. And what I mean by that is um, there weren't other entrepreneurs. And if you're thinking about it in the sense of what entrepreneur means and being a little bit of outside um, of the community, that's really how it felt. And I think that's why people gravitated to Des Moines. People began reinvesting back into the communities uh, people weren't punished for their success. They were essentially elevated and given opportunities outside of the community. And that sort of reciprocity has really worked well for the city. The organizations that I think historically could be uh, mandating top-down controls have instead said, we have resources, help us figure out how to use them and open their doors. I think you experienced that even when you came to Des Moines, the the people that could be the gatekeepers are instead saying, absolutely not. We don't even have a gate. Just come in and tell us what you think and how you want to work with us. And then we agree. And then we just do that. Do you think that culture of not having gatekeepers and, and reciprocity and are all kind of cultural elements, do you think that was somehow baked into Des Moines or baked into uh, Iowa? Is this a Midwest thing? What do you think the seed for that is in Des Moines? I mean, I give credit to the people who were certainly here before me and the people who are certainly far more powerful uh, than I am, having an open mind to help people grow and give people opportunities, which is a conscious effort on their part. I don't know where they learned it, but I see the same thing in New York. I see the same thing in the Bay Area. I see the same thing in Boulder, right? And the similarity between all these cities is neither one of these cities is, is better than the other. They're just different and in different stages with different people. From what I witnessed when I visited there and, and obviously the subsequent work that Techstars has done in Des Moines has been, um, is all additive and kind of keeping that arc going in a very positive direction. Um, you know, when I did visit, I, I do want to talk about that. I just met a, a myriad of people from founders to investors, state government officials to universities, people, and and collectively, the, the attitudes and the culture were all the same. We're here to help. We're here to serve entrepreneurs. And it's funny that that subtle but very important core thought, we're here to help. 
and bring our research to it somehow gets lost in a lot of places. Why, why do you think others who take a more top-down controlling type of uh, attitude, why do you think that happens? Humans are complex. It's likely because of industry or because of individuals or familial history or whatever, someone might end up in a position where keeping their current position or maintaining control is actually their, their status or their desire for the community. I don't think that's the case in startup communities. And I don't think that's the case in, in tech and in venture. Certainly we see certain behaviors play out in different ways, but generally speaking on the way above the average, people just want to help each other succeed. I understand that a more top-down engineered kind of control information, you know, uh, access is a natural byproduct of sometimes being spending a career in large institutions, government, university, large companies. So I understand when people sometimes go to that. That's the muscles they've built. The first thing I try to explain to them is that those are the complete opposite kind of behaviors and actions that work with entrepreneurs. Thing that you mentioned about, you know, some communities do it well, some are really struggling with it. Either way, you can feel it when you go to a new community and it tends to manifest itself in X won't like it, X won't get permission, you can't meet X. And all of a sudden people are managing for access, they're managing for um, like special permissions and they're almost like representing third parties and brokering access to those people. And when the access to the person becomes more complex in the conversation you actually wanna have with the person, like communities kind of like sideways. We've just heard from two excellent community builders, Bob Sopko of Cleveland, Ohio, and Ben Milne of Des Moines, Iowa, about the illusion of control and what that means to them and the ways in which they have observed this behavior in their and other communities. Now let's bring in Brad to bring us home and share his final thoughts on the topic. Ian talked about uh, communities being more like a family more than a recipe. What do you think about that? It's a good analogy. Breaking the metaphors that you don't get to choose your family members necessarily. The key, the key distinction is this notion of a recipe, where there's a structured way to do a set of things. And as humans, we're constantly looking for recipes. Right. Right. And even when we talk about conceptual stuff like best practices, we're trying to be reductionist and turn them into, well, if you just do A and then B and then C and then D, a good thing will happen. And with Startup communities, you have to just sort of embrace the randomness of it, and you have to be comfortable with the evolution of things where whatever happens is going to generate a next wave of things. And some of those might be predictable. They might be what other people have seen, but some of them might be completely new and unexpected. Go back to the recipe metaphor, and you think about the recipe where you have a cookbook and you literally follow step by step and what comes out. And you can have a very predictable outcome each time if you follow the recipe step by step. And then think about the other type of recipe follower who reads the recipe and then closes the book and sort of just does whatever they want. And they were more guidelines, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, I, that's helpful. I, I kind of know that I don't want, you know, a, uh, a pound of sugar and I don't need a gallon of milk, like, you know, but I do need some milk and I do need some sugar and you're sort of playing around with it. The startup community is much more like that. 
You and Ian in the New Book Start Community Way labeled this section the illusion of control. Why that label? Why that phrase? What is what is the illusion part and what are you trying to get a, get across? So many people want to control things and innate human nature. And if you think about it in the context of business and you think about hierarchies and you think about top-down dynamics, it's about controlling. The startup community is not the opposite of that. It's orthogonal to that. It's this dynamic that's completely bottom up. And so you just have to have a different frame of reference. And what ends up happening is a lot of organizations end up falling into this trap, which we like to talk about the illusion of control. It's that they think they're in control when they're actually not. It's that they're doing things that are of the control nature when in fact the thing they're trying to deal with cannot simply cannot be controlled. And why do why does that illusion of control feel good to some or many, especially what I call the power brokers in a in a in a community? Yeah, well, it's probably a couple of things, right? One is that just the word you use, power, is that if if I'm in a position of power, I like to control the things that are going on to reinforce or support my position of power, and things that are outside my controller that I don't control may be unpredictable. And so they might not reinforce my position of power or they might inhibit my position of power. Another dynamic is that I think a lot of people have the view that control and controlling a situation generates certainty. So if you're in control, then you can be predictive about what the outcome is going to be. And it turns out that in emergent systems, or complex systems, that's actually just not a guiding principle, that you you do not have a deterministic and predictable outcome. In, In those types of systems, trying to exert control or to try to drive to a predictable outcome often diminishes where the system evolves to. So in some ways you have to embrace the uncertainty and you have to recognize that In many cases, your desire to control, again, we'll come back to the word illusion, the desire that you have to control is an illusion because there is no certainty, there is no deterministic outcome. And therefore you have to let the startup community evolve on its own terms. So as a new or current leader who's listening and they've read the first or or the most current book, and they kind of say, "All right, I know my default muscles. I want to. I want to. I'm listening to you, Brad. I want to. I want to adopt some of these. This mindset. What are some things they could do to kind of start to relinquish their control? Any advice for that? Sure. A big one is to accept that you will be uncomfortable, and be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So, for someone who wants to control the situation, who wants a deterministic outcome, or recognizes that that's their default muscle. Step one is just recognize that you'll be uncomfortable and that's okay. The next is listen a lot. When when one is in a control mode, one tends to be dominant. One tends to assert, tell people what to do, be very sort of... um, uh, I almost said very control-based. <laughs> Be directive. <laughs> directive, like I was looking for a synonym. Like, you know, this is what we must do. Putting yourself in a listen mode and trying to use cliche-ishly to some degree, beginner's mind, 
right? The, the whole notion of, yeah, I may have expertise here, but there's some new stuff that I'm going to learn. And so instead of feeling like I'm the expert and I know what to do, or I need to ex uh, assert myself in a way where everybody looks at me as the one who's the expert and knows what to do, instead say, you know what, I don't know what to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to listen. Um, the next is be very comfortable with mistakes, yours and other people's. When you're trying to control the, a situation towards an outcome, there tends to be very little tolerance of mistakes. You want to make mistakes. You want to run hypotheses. You want to test things. You want to run experiments that don't work. And when you do that, instead of being in a position where like, wow, I need to not spend time on that, you say, well, what didn't work about that? And let me try it again. Let me try something different. And let me try another experiment that might not work so that I can learn some more, so that I can kind of keep going. Those are some ways to behave against the natural instinct of, I need to get it right. And the same kind of behavior can play out uh, in your engagement with the startup community and the evolution of it, which is that you, you sort of are just practicing. You're not trying to get the, the grade. And it's one of the reasons why Ian and I are so um, clear about the challenges of measurement. In this episode of Your Startup Community, we have discussed the idea of control and how that fixed, engineer-like approach can be detrimental to startup community growth. Though it may seem natural to many that setting distinct goals and rallying everyone around that goal is the best way to accomplish things, it rarely works to help spawn new entrepreneurs or help current founders grow and in effect create that vibrant innovation ecosystem. Too much structure, i.e. control, can stifle innovation, not create the ecosystem we all wish for in our respective cities. Until next time, I am Chris Hively, your host of Your Startup Community.